It's time for Verbal Tap, because people have lost their minds. The broadcast, I don't know if it was Troy Aikman, but somebody during the Seahawks-Packers game that was amazing said tonight, McGregor, the Irish Muhammad Ali fights. Raph, mm-hmm. how are you doing, and how overdramatic is that statement? I think it's pretty fair assessment. If you've never watched <laughs> Chuck, yeah. Eddie... Kind of MMA ever before in your life, sure. Okay, it's yeah. Oh, there you go. Oh, nice burn in the background. I thought we were gonna have a night where you were just gonna disagree with me, regardless. I, I, like, gee, well, the I'm night is young. Like... Don't start me off. <laughs> One. I'm not starting you off. And how are you doing? I'm fine. Uh, so, oh, hey, whoa. So maybe you don't know this if you're listening in, but Kevin and I are now. Uh, on different sides of the United States, watching yeah. Fox Sports Fight. Juan's telecast Ooh. of UFC Fight Night from Boston, uh, otherwise known as a regular night, but this time they're actually televising the fights. <laughs> regular night, but we're going to do a little before these after these. After these. <laughs> it's time for that famous segment we do called Before Z's After Z's. Unless you heard it the first time from Kevin, and it's Before Z's After Z's. It's hard to recreate that type of magic, Rafa Sparza. That's why we do it hot. We do it live. Do you have any bold predictions for Uriah Hall versus something Stallings? Ron Ron Choirboy Stallings. Uh, Uriah Hall will uh, kick Ron Stallings so hard that he will wake up thinking he is uh, Lorenz Larkin. Perfect. That is a great phone prediction. I think Uriah Hall might, might genuinely kick his head into the fourth row. Like, apart from his body, I'm worried. I don't know how trained this guy is in defending against machete kicks, but... Machete. I think the hard part with Uriah is there's such great talent in him uh, and and seeing him translate into the the cage has has been very difficult to see. Um, But you know he's capable of stuff. So I guess that's why we're going to that nth degree to to make He's going to retire afterwards, too. Oh, okay, sweet. Remember how broken up... It took him, like two years to get over the Sella face kick breathing saga. Can you imagine how it'll feel if he kicks a man's head off? It's going to be hard uh, to look. I don't Stalling's know, but it's going to make family in the face. The best mortal combat meme. Uh, we've oh. ever seen. Oh my God. You're right. Um, sorry. Maybe I have been playing a little mortal combat. Maybe that's seeping into my MMA coverage. Maybe I'm not saying it definitely is. Mm. What about the cowboy Cerrone versus Ben Henderson? Do you think – I'll start. They set the record for a touching glove sequence when it lasts three and a half minutes into the first round. That's not a bad prediction. Like, Intense Cowboy, eye contact. They just really give us the respect of martial arts live on Fox Sports 1. Uh, there's been a lot of interesting uh, playing up this week by Cowboy, maybe because – He's just that eccentric, but he definitely looked drunk at the weigh-ins yesterday. <laughs> he did look, it, did look a little intoxicated. Yeah. He and I mean, I guess if you you've already made weight, I guess if you're him, you just kind of maintain. So what's a few Bud Lights before? I'm sorry, Budweisers. He's a Budweiser guy. Uh, before you go into weigh-in, he seems like that kind of guy. Fights Especially, six times in twelve months. Why not? 
He's going to be super loopy from the weight cut. That's probably not very, you know. And honestly, I, I wanted to give the loopiness to the weight cut, but I was like, nah, I'm not sure. He, he seems like the guy who would actually drink before a weigh-in. Uh, so he was, he was a little eccentric. So here's my bold prediction for you, Kev. Uh, Benson Henderson will walk to the cage with toothpick in mouth. However, given the contract that he has signed with Donald Cerrone, Cerrone will be allowed to fight with Budweiser can in hand the entire fight. Oh, that's probably definitely going to happen. That's a great bold prediction. Mm. That's like 95th percentile that's happening. Because that's a great game, especially when you figure he does most of his punching uh, and kicking with only three limbs. So what's the fourth one? You can just – that's your beer hold in hand. Um, McGregor versus Seaver, your bold prediction. Uh, This one. This one's a tough one because uh, the best best headline I heard is that the UFC – is so in love with Conor McGregor, they have pimped him out to become the new media star, and Dana bros out with him every chance he gets. But somebody posed this one, and I'll get to my prediction after we discuss this, but somebody posed this and said, but what if Dennis Seaver wins? Ooh. Like, how much of all of their hard work gets put for naught because, guess what? Dude ended up ruining and spoiling the party. He ruined Christmas. Dennis Seaver's German, meaning huge wild card every okay. time he goes to in, into any combat situation. Big wild card. Could win. Could lose. But okay. we don't know. Yep. Okay. Here's my bold prediction for this fight. Conor McGregor, in this fight, wins via submission, and the move was talking. Like Dennis Seaver just gives up because Conor McGregor's run his mouth so much. He's like, you know what? I can't take it anymore. He's talked me into submission. I tap. Not, not one more word. Mm-hmm. Not bad. I like that. I like the potential that yields. I have one for you that I mm-hmm. think you're going to really enjoy. Dana White walks in with a case filled with $25,000. I like it so far. Th- empties it in the middle of the cage before it starts. Bruce Buffer lights up the biggest blunt he can and says for the first time in sports history, this one's bare knuckle for all the cash in the cage. They strip off their gloves. They cut the tape and they can do it like it's the 18th century. Or they just fight like they do in Ireland. I guess the hard part for me is on this equation. Conor McGregor, he wears shades that are worth more than 25K. But so the honor of bare-knuckle competition may yeah. be enough to draw him in. That's It's an honor thing, obviously. The money is just so we can see people like bleeding on cash. And that's mm. a better visual. Mm. That's an interesting. You know, that's thing. on top I've, of the bonus. I've never rolled on cash before, so I really don't know. You think, it, you think maybe it should be two hundred grand? If I'm like, maybe mine was an unreasonably bold prediction, and it needs. Let's, to be let's put it this way: for for those of us who work for a living, Kevin, that yeah. is yes, a, a good amount of money. 
but for Dana White, that's not even like an hour at the tables in Vegas. So that's yeah, that's toilet you know, paper in a pinch type. Absolutely. Uh, for a second, okay. I thought you were going to say something to the fact that they put all the money in there and then they say, uh, "Let's just do cocaine." <laughs> Because we're really into this now, and let's just embrace it and fully go into it. Well, I believe that's going to be the comment that takes us out of the before Z's and into these after Z's. Fuck me running. Let's just go to the next. We're going to go watch the fights. All right. We'll watch the fights, but should we talk to somebody in between? Oh, yeah. We could talk to somebody. Um... Do Any you, idea who that's going to be? No, it's going to be Adam Lamp, who competed. I was say that's so it's gonna be, we've, we've already, already recorded that. I, Don't fucking do that. Let's pull out a list of names. No, we have a fun conversation with Adam in between, and we'll be back for the end of the fights. Adam, just remember Great Kevin production. said that, not me. Verbal Tap fans, if anything, to keep Tim Kennedy from wanting to punch us for a lot of the comments we've made in between, we really wanted to reach out to someone that fought in the most recent Fort Bragg Combatives tournament. And if you don't know about Combatives, it's kind of been like uh, a huge jiu-jitsu, wrestling, boxing, judo surge from the military and externally because of that program. Runs really closely. But we have someone I trained with a while back on the podcast, Adam Lamp. Adam, how are you doing this evening? I am doing great. Thank you for having me on the podcast. We appreciate you coming on. And Raph, he's perfected how to work jujitsu moves with your dog. Oh, that's sick. Yeah, he's put some videos. You have a huge – how big is your Rottweiler? How big is she? <laughs> she is a 95 pounds, a year and a half old. What's that toy you use to work spider and lasso guard with her? Yeah, it's, it's a uh, just a chew toy that we have. There's like three holes on it, so it's pretty cool. I put my foot in, and then you know, just you know, work my grips with her. It's, she she puts up with it. <laughs> it's also. Raph and I are jiu-jitsu junkies. That's how you know you're a jiu-jitsu junkie if yeah. you've rigged up your dog's chew toy. To help you work key guard passes, you officially might have an addiction. Adam, if I can ask, what is the best strategy when rolling with a dog? Like, what are you? Are you like going for a single leg? Are you just going? <laughs> you know, are you pulling guard? I would hope you're not pulling guard against the dog. You know, <laughs> she she looks scary, but you know, she she really is a gentle giant. So I like to you know pull guard with her and just try and. She tries so hard to pass guard, so I just work on my inversions with her, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Talk about confusing a dog, especially when you start inverting. They're like, wait, I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm done being the, the pet here. I give it up. <laughs> I also would have to fact check this, Raph, but I think this is why Andre Galvão makes everyone at Atos also use, have a big dog that they can practice guard passes. Mm. I'll have to check mm-hmm. that. But I think that's a rule when you join the Atos too. <laughs> Yeah. This is all dog training. Uh, talk to us about your military career. Which is first? Are you training jiu-jitsu pre-military or was combatives first? Uh, you're relatively young. So talk us through the timeline on how you are obviously serving in the military to be able to do the combatives tournament. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, when I was graduated high school, I was 18. Uh, well, I've been in for seven years now. But, um, yeah, I started uh, with the combatives and basic training. I didn't do any previous martial arts um, and just kind of fooled around with it a little bit. I just fell in love with it. And uh, really, about two years after that, I'd say, started training jiu-jitsu. And um, it was asked to go to every, you know, I was asking to go to combatives level one, combatives level two, combatives level three, and just uh, just fell in love with it and from there just kind of ran with it. Uh, Combatives um, level three, by the way, how many times were you tased? In the process. Hey, so, <laughs> well, you know, they, it's crazy because they'll give you a a knife that, that is also a taser, and you'll be rolling, and they'll just randomly, they'll randomly throw it in there, and, like, whoever, like, you just try and get it as fast as you can, you know, and tase the other person, you know, it's, it's crazy how it works. <laughs> so, let me see if I got that straight, because I want to make sure that I heard it the way I heard it. You're in the middle of rolling. And then zap. Is that is that a pretty fair summarization of that? Exactly. They'll just they'll walk by the instructors and just kind of toss it to, you know towards you, and you just try to grab it before the other person does. And you know, I I was lucky enough that I had a guy not a triangle. By the time I got one of the tasers, so I was just like tasing his stomach. You know, just like playing with him a little bit. Oh, so <laughs> I think we finally found the way I can be good at jujitsu. I was going to say, like, the missing, most people are sitting there thinking, God, the missing ingredient to jujitsu was not random tasing ability. Like, that is not within shooting distance, but that would really spruce up a submission only event. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely would. There's stealing the Bravo. The oh, my name. God, that's genius. At minute yeah. 10, tasers are allowed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely makes you, uh, it changes the way you think about uh, how to defend yourself because especially, and that's actually something I learned in the combative tournaments when you allow striking, it completely changes up your jiu-jitsu game. And that was kind of new for me when I, when I was doing the combatives level two and level three. It's cool because they, they actually did just put up a video uh, very similar showing what happens when you add strikes in uh, just from... Uh, around the internet is one of the things that popped up today on my jiu-jitsu feed. And I, I thought that's so interesting because I never think about it. I never think like, oh, man, I better break this guard because, uh-oh, elbows are coming my way. It's like it's such a nice relief. But at the same point, that's got to add another dimension to the speed in which you react and, and how you do that. Did that, did all of those things start to help your game improve that much faster? Um, You know, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but uh... – my semifinal bout at this combat tournament, I got lit up by strikes, and it really just made me. Um, it just—I never realized how much of a game changer it was. You know, I watch a lot of uh, MMA. You know, and uh, I'm always like, you know, when you're sitting on the couch, it's easy to say, "Oh, you know, why isn't he going for this or, or half that?" Guard, you know, and, and, half guard. And then, yeah. Yeah, and when you're getting hit, you realize that everything kind of just goes out of your mind. You know. <laughs> And explain this to us, because and I think this is a good way to uh, fourier into your combatives tournament. Which round? What's the process of that like? Because you have to get deep in the tournament for strikes to count. It sounds like. Yeah. So the way that it, it was set up over a three-day uh, tournament, 
Um, first day is just like a jiu-jitsu tournament. You start standing, no strikes. Um, you know, they don't allow, you know, like bicep slicers, stuff like that. They don't allow, um, you know, heel hooks. So it's pretty similar to like a lower-level um, jiu-jitsu tournament. Um, I had two matches that day. And I kind of, my expectation was, I just want to go in there and not lose a jiu-jitsu match. You know, so I felt good. Like, I won the first day, you know, my, my first two matches. And then um, the way it kind of progresses is the second day is the semifinal bouts. And um, the way they're set up is you have open hand um, slaps or, you know, palms to your face, um, punches to the body, and kicks into the head and body, as well as uh, the jiu-jitsu rules. So Getting pretty that's close how... to full MMA at that point. Getting, like, really yeah. close. It, it's really close, and the thing is, it, it's completely different getting punched with a glove and getting palmed in the face. I, I was kind of shocked at it, you know. Uh, it kind of stunned me a little bit. Getting yeah, I, You know, I was in working guard and it wasn't probably the smartest thing to do and I was I was taking a lot of shots, you know, with open palm. But um and then the way the finals bouts are is in a cage and um it's a full MMA bout. Yeah, and some I mean, for some people that's started their UFC career. A lot of people fight in this. Just to give people an idea we're not talking about like just uh, solely your even your local BJJ tournament. Like these guys are athletes; they're all active duty military, hanging out mm-hmm. and doing a lot of training. So our hats off to you because I think it's really impressive. You're more of a jujitsu fighter. Uh, that's a tough adaptation to make, and it sounds like you, at least from seeing some of the posts, that you were sort of prepared, and then didn't maybe know that strikes were so early. Is that a fact? I yes I from what I was told and you know obviously I guess you can't go off of that alone but I was told that the that the first round is um, com- combat is level one which is you start on your knees so jujitsu but you start on your knees so that's uh, I was told that that was the first day second day is takedowns allowed. And then for the finals is the MMA fight. That that was kind of how I was explained, uh, you know, when I first signed up or was you know thinking about doing it. And then when I came in for the the semifinals, came in that second day, and they started going over the rules in the beginning. That's when I realized, wow, I was not prepared for this because I I wasn't expecting strikes on that day. I was expecting strikes for the finals um, bout, but it kind of worked in my favor because. The semifinals, you still have your ACU top on, your uh, Army uniform top on, so it kind of helped me with my jiu-jitsu, where in the finals, it's you know, like a T-shirt. Um, yeah, so or, or a rash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I think it speaks to your jiu-jitsu. And, Raph, you tell me, like, you're, you're showing up to roll one night, and all of a sudden they're like, by the way, it's open palm slapping in this tournament, so just heads up. Uh, but I think it speaks to jujitsu that you were like, I could survive. Let's make it happen. Hey, yeah, no shit. Coat on. I guess <laughs> I've never had, and Kevin, maybe your experiences are different in your life. I've never had another grown man slap me in the face with the intent of, by the way, this is a jujitsu role. So, like, never having had that happen to me. 
I'm pretty sure the first time it would happen, it'd just be a shock. Like, you just slapped me. (laughs) (laughs) You son of a bitch. There was a shock factor there, honestly. Um, But at the same time, a year ago when I was in level three, we did train that. So I was kind of used to it. It was just a year since I've done it. You know, so it kind of took me back a little bit. Like, okay, uh, I need to, you know, remember how how I did, you know, a year ago in level three combatives and uh, kind of adapt to it as as best I can. But, you know, once I was out there, and like you said, once I was getting hit or uh, slapped, you know, kind of everything kind of almost like technique went out the window. I just kept thinking I need to get it to the ground as soon as possible here. Yeah. You know? But it's still another grown human being slapping you. Like, I just I would have like, had a cry fit. It would have been like, hold on, I need a quick 30 to get the tears out. This is very dude, stressful. I'll be right the, back. The difference is I would expect a punch in my life. Like, I, I get that. A slap is just a response for me that will be like, how dare you? I didn't defend your family. What's this about? Yeah, it's like everyone that I talked to, uh, they were like, man, I got so frustrated and I just would have tore into them. And, you know, it's funny because for me, it was kind of like the opposite. Like once I was getting slapped, I, I was kind of like, I don't know, I realized in that moment without uh, training, you know, strikes, because it wasn't just the slaps, it was the, the kicks to the body. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, I realized that that's not what I want to do. You know, it was like when I was getting slapped, I'm like, you know, I want to stick to jujitsu. So, uh, yeah, I, I, it was kind of a, it was a unique situation. I was glad to be a part of it, though. Um, yeah, and, and they're just not anybody slapping you. These are people who are highly trained and <laughs> pretty strong. Pretty strong, would yeah. you say? For sure motivated. <laughs> There's a lot of motivation. Yeah, so, you know, and that's one of the things that if you ever compete against someone that's in the military in a jiu-jitsu tournament, they're always the ones that have the most like determination to win. They're just like, they just grind it, you know, the forearms to the face. Yeah. Like they, they just have the meanest jujitsu because that's how you, know, you have to have that mindset. You know, if you're deploying, you have to have that mindset of this isn't a, you know, a match for fun. You know, this is like life and death. So that's how they train every day. So me, you know, I, I'm in the army national guard. So, you, you know, I'm going into their territory against, you know, the guy that I fought in the semifinal bout was from the 82nd airborne. You know, so he's active duty, and I'm in their their room. You know, like I was at the 82nd Invitational, so you know it was yeah. like everyone is against me. You know, and it's it's kind of you know just a you got to be tough to go in that situation. You know, win or lose, and you're going to get a and tough match with them guys. Raph was hitting on it earlier. How much does when to go from that environment to your jujitsu environment, how much does it elevate your grappling game? Uh, Uh, employing it back to tournaments and such. It has elevated my game. I believe, um, you know, army national, first of all, like I said, I wouldn't have even probably thought about jujitsu if it wasn't for joining the army and, and getting a little taste of combatives while I was at basic training. And, um, but it has really helped me in the aspect, like I just talked about, about being mentally tough and going in. You know, a lot of people say I have, like, nice guy jiu-jitsu. Like, I, I want to stay technical, but I'm not mean when I go out there. And that's one thing that it has helped me get mentally tougher when I'm in a, a competition. And uh, and when I was at level three, I had, you know, I had the opportunity to train with a really good guy. And, um, and uh, he really taught me 
the essence of drilling and, and just sitting there and drilling moves and getting your repetitions in. And that, to me, is blew my, my game up. I mean, that's changed my whole jiu-jitsu game. And who was that you were working with? It was uh, Dominic Bell. He's a uh, purple belt in uh, Altos in uh, San Diego. He's there now. Yeah, and he, um, I was able to work with him for level three is one month long, and I was trying to pick his brain as much as I could, and he changed my whole jujitsu when I got back. So strange, Atos. Do they drill there? I'm not. I'm not super familiar with them. I'm not yeah. sure that that's like the thing they put at the top of their pedestal. They do really well, I guess. Independent of that, sure. <laughs> For them, you know, it, For them. It, it's funny because I actually I was at a tournament yesterday and I ran into a guy that was at his the gym that he was at before he moved to San Diego. And he just said the same thing about how he would show up and, uh, I mean, just drill for an hour straight before class would even start. And he would just find a partner and he would just, and that's the type of mentality that you, you really, I, I believe you probably learned that from the military as well, from combatives. It's just that being, you know, trying to get that edge over your opponent by working hard and, uh, you know, getting as much repetition as you can in. That sounds Very like cool. a lot of work. And Adam, I know just to, in addition to all of the craziness of your life, you're also uh, a fairly new father. So your yeah. life's in complete chaos most of the time. <laughs> um, but you're yeah. still training constantly, and you started your own apparel company. Uh, yes, I did. Um, it's a jiu-jitsu apparel company, a workhorse jiu-jitsu Right now, we have um, you know, patches. We're working on our rash guards. They're going to be on pre-order January 19th, This uh, actually tomorrow, and uh, pre-order for the, till the 31st. Pretty rash guards, too. I've seen them right. Nice Thank you. I, I've seen them as well. Nice stuff, dude. Thank you very so, much. Yeah, we're on just uh, Instagram, just Workhorse Jiu-Jitsu. And the Facebook page saying Workhorse Jiu-Jitsu, it's, uh, it just started back in December, and uh, I've been just pushing as hard as I can. But really, it's, it's about that mentality of being a workhorse. And that actually, I could, that came from the military as well. My first, my first company I was in, that was our motto, or that was our name. Our nickname was Workhorse. And that, to me, is the essence of Jiu-Jitsu. I mean, just, you know, working as hard as you can to, you know, outwork your opponent, really. I mean, to me, that's the biggest thing. And uh, that's what, I, uh, you know, what we work with. I've rolled with Adam. He's annoyingly persistent. I can assure <laughs> you. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Adam, I would like to say this. I have not rolled with you. Can we can we set just a ground rule real quick? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I feel in the future our paths will cross because that's always what happens in jiu-jitsu. But can we make that ground rule of no slapping because I just – I don't know what's going to happen to me if that, that really comes down to it. And I don't feel strong enough in my jiu-jitsu that I'll be able to be like, oh, it's on, motherfucker. I'm pretty sure crying is going to happen. Uh, <laughs> and then yeah, a follow-up question, if you agree to that, do you also agree to the next time you roll with Kevin – be sure to slap him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that sounds like a plan. Yeah, we just we have to find a uh, you know a little nice uh, taser to throw in there. You know, oh when the guys roll. Oh my god! 
That's I, terrible. you know what? I have no problem the rolling with the taser, taser with, of justice. With Kevin. Because at least with Kevin, I feel we have a 50-50 shot on the two of us going, how does this work? And trying to figure it out stupidly <laughs> as we go. being able to work it. Right. And just be like, oh, you motherfucker, you think you have this triangle. Well, wait until I – is this is is there, this, is this is a, there a button? Does this work? Uh, sir? <laughs> so you. Can help with this? Knife taser supplier. Is there a Is there an instruction push? manual that I can like look at real quick? Because I just – I don't know. Do I, know I, how to do I have to hit him with the tip or can I just any part? These oh, do I punch him with the taser? Because I can do that. I'm not going to stab him. That's <laughs> excessive. Uh, well, Adam, we really appreciate you coming on and chatting some combatives tournament with us. We just like uh, hearing people that have gone through the grind, especially jujitsu people that we have a particular affection for. Uh, you're That's always cool. training down at Zenith Jiu-Jitsu. I see your posts. He's one of those people that po- gets up at like six thirty to go train, and I always Ooh. I know. Uh, yeah. Dude, yeah, no one cares. <laughs> yeah, first class is six to eight, and it literally is just a drilling class. We just get as much repetitions as we as we can. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you and your whole so, workhorse brand. We get it. Yeah. You wake up you early. Jiu Jitsu. Well, out the road, exactly. you know, there's some persistent a hole drilling from six to yeah, eight. No so shit. About your choices, America. What are you doing? <laughs> stay in exactly. shape. Uh, well, Adam, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, and uh, we'll check in with you again soon. Hey, thank you very much, guys, and uh, have a great night. Donald Cerrone wins by decision. We saw a guy's skull and Conor McGregor tried to get a little bit in Jose Aldo's grill. Raph, what was your overall view of UFC fight night McGregor versus Seaver? Interesting. Uh, I'm still, okay, I'm processing. I see a lot of people complaining about uh, Boston judges. And, uh, you know, I don't know that they thought they wouldn't be crooked to begin with. Like, what do you expect from Boston judges? Uh, chip on their shoulder, annoying things about the Patriots. and You think you're better than me? <laughs> think, uh, and that accent I love that Amy Poehler does, maybe? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, okay. There were two suspect decisions. I guess the first one should be Cajal's match. Did you see that? I saw a little bit of it. I kind of had to take the dogs out during that. Oh, okay, it's probably a better choice. My uh, my cousin booed decision. Like people did. Joe Rogan was going crazy about it on the pod, on the cast. I mean, yeah, on the podcast when on he it <laughs> live. Uh. It was rough to watch because my little cousin played it best. He goes, uh, the last fight of the prelims was the worst fight I've ever seen. I don't know if I'd go that far. I've seen a lot of bad matches, but I certainly wasn't all that engaged. Uh, <laughs> and I, I was definitely on my phone thinking of funny things to, to tweet or I don't even know. At this point, I think I was actually scrolling through Instagram and I saw way more entertaining things on there. So, okay. Yeah, that was a weird one. But not something I was terribly upset about because it wasn't like a great fight. Yeah. Uh, then we go to our main card, uh, Gleason. Uh, fine, sure, okay. Yeah. And 
Then things started getting interesting because Uriah Hall. Do you want to take that one? Oh, my God. You could see part of Stalling's face. His brain was coming out of his eye. It was disgusting. And it was uh, a sharp right. Would you have called the fight? What? Would you have called the fight? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was enough evidence for you to say. Oh, God. Nah, nah. Yeah. Who didn't see enough? For <laughs> uh, well, apparently Boston fans who were drunk on their recent AFC division win. He had two gashes that you could have stopped the fight for. It's remarkable that, <laughs> that Stallings didn't get knocked out, yet still took that much damage. I agree. That's remarkable. You think you're better than me? I do think. Just because you... I... Just because you got some fucking, like, cool thing under your eye, you think you're better than me? Did you see how you could get back in that quickly fight? the doctor stopped it? He stopped it in a heartbeat. He was just like, oh, it's over. The fight's over. Like, you're not fighting anymore. <laughs> He's like, what? Normally that is an excruciating decision, and it wasn't in this case, and I agree with him. It's like, oh, my God. It's a strange thing to witness. Sir, because... I can see your brain. Like, I can yeah. see it. And I guess if you're Ron Stallings, this is a really sad moment for you. You take a fight with one week's notice, only to get booed in the end. <laughs> well, fucking Boston. Boston, it, Boston, dare I say, was projecting. They see a lot of themselves in his gaping eye wound. It was like, oh. Said. You think it. your eye wound's better than mine? So I think... Uh, I fought a Ravens drunk fan in a fucking parking lot. I think Freud's better than you guys, Boston. And I think he said some things you should read. Not the point. Yeah. Uriah Hall, dominant performance. Uh, also, winner of uh, most unexpected post-fight win speech, politically correct. Oh my god! Speech I'm so glad of all time. I tuned. I completely had put that on block. I'm so glad you brought that back up. Well, you, yeah, there was some dicey parts. We're that speech I people. Don't Let's start with that. Yeah, I was like, he made some generalizations, some innuendos that were a little. He was with the family of some very mixed crowds and selected. It was uh, – I understand what he was trying to do. It's very hard to speak from the heart when you've been fighting, so we get it. It's even We're harder there. to be articulate in a situation that has a lot of levels. Sure. So uh, That still doesn't excuse trying to find your message midway as you're talking through it because you're just like, uh, you know, guys, there's been a lot of stuff going on and – um. You know, I know you guys are all interested to hear what I have to say about it, but, like, yeah, stuff, like, it sucks, man. Wasn't it So that was fun. equivocally his message, too, which is, like, a little – it was, like, can't we just get along? <laughs> I was, well, I was like, just short of saying it was the UFC version of can't we all just get along. Heart in the right place, I think. It was like, yeah, I guess yes. that would be the really simplistic – version of it yeah let's just forget it happened and get along like what do you i hear you you raya but maybe it's slightly more complex than that which is why you just finished a fight and this isn't what you should be fucking talking about <laughs> but i don't i guess if uriah hall was invited to speak at a ted talk or any other engagement but i don't know maybe you're trying to reach through to ufc fans maybe drunk ufc fans are the people you're trying to talk to the most Maybe that's what he realized. He was like, you know, these are the, this is the problem. These people. <laughs> so who knows? But um, so that was weird. But then we get into the the fight that everybody actually wants to see. Uh, yeah, and in a way, like 
Okay, tell me if I'm not, I'm having trouble trying to quantify this. Like in a way, this mm. fight was amazing. Donald Cerrone, Cowboy Cerrone versus Benson Henderson. In a way, I also felt wildly unsatisfied by how it ended. Is that fair? What was unsatisfactory to you? I just I didn't know who won at the end of the three rounds. I guess the judges. Well, Cerrone the judges did. told you who who won. Yeah. So I, that should be the end all be all, right? Obviously, it should. They've never screwed up before, and I've certainly never had pause to doubt them. This just felt like one of those fights where it was like, oh god, yeah, close, ooh, close, close, jab, jab, front kick, front kick. Uh, did he make him wobbly? Takedown. I don't know who won. Damn it! I wanted maybe I just wanted two more rounds. Strange as this to say. I didn't. I think I had enough evidence to see that Benson won that. Uh, oh, you think Benson Henderson won? You didn't think Donald Cerrone won? No. Um, Interesting. So you I, disagree with the decision. I liked, and Joe was commenting about this, but I just, I liked the variations of Benson's attacks. And it was it was hard because... You know, they kept joking about it on the commentary team, but it was really true. I don't think that we really saw Donald Cerrone just show up to, like, start. I don't think we really saw him go into the mode of going nuts and going crazy like we we like seeing him. I think he was a little tepid, especially in that first round. I guess you could kind of make the argument it's kind of a close round. I just saw that especially on Benson's side, he was racking up the points, maybe outpointing him like a lot of people criticize, especially Frankie Edgar in the post-fight pressers. But uh, I think it was just with those kicks to the knee, I thought it was a strategy-based form that was really good for Benson. So I, I was happy to see that. And I just never saw Cowboy get on his game. In the second round, I saw the takedown. And it wasn't the Cowboy wasn't getting in good strikes here and there. I just thought that Benson, for every strike that you saw Donald Cerrone land, Benson was either countering or uh, finding a better angle in. Because I will give you this. I thought the weirdest statistic, and maybe you can tell me differently, was that at the end of the first round, they said, uh, they put a little statistic up there that said who was pushing more of the round, like who was more aggressive in uh, – pushing the action, but not how many strikes landed. Part of UFC's random statistics bureau, but yeah. But sure, I mean, that statistic was definitely Donald Cerrone walking more forward, uh, but I don't know that he was necessarily getting the better of the strikes in that first round. I just thought it was a really weird statistic to control the narrative. Anyway, your response. They should start tracking total miles, and the guy that like travels more miles should get like an extra point. I just think that's mm. maybe that maybe that's like a make frequent sense. flyer kind of thing. <laughs> it's exactly like that. That was a good fight. That was a lot of close exchanges. I guess you could certainly persuade me. Benson Henderson won the fight. That's who I thought had won the fight, but I don't. I don't feel passionate about well, it. What do we ever know? And I guess the other thing is uh, we saw the return of wrestling judging tonight. Yeah. Which <laughs> that takedown was can huge. be interesting. Yeah. It's just – I don't know. I My my brain but again, was trying to, to work around it. And, uh, you know, here's what you can really tell. Benson was beyond pissed afterwards. But you see the look on Cerrone's face. And you can't convince me that that reaction face from him wasn't surprised oh, because he goes, oh, shit. I don't think that would. No, I completely agree with you. He was surprised he won the fight. I also don't think he was just like, well, fuck it. But this has been kind of a movement of the Benson Hendersons of the world. You know, finish a fight or two. 
Like just finish your opponent occasionally. And maybe you get a little bit more benefit of the doubt. And that's what it felt like we might have seen. Like, well, Cerrone finishes his opponents, so why doesn't he win this fight? That's kind of where it felt like. Maybe, but also cool if you think about it. In, by the way. It's also, it's a little strange when, I guess at the end of all of it, he really does do the work to do something where you're like, you think you've made that. And you're saying that he needs to be able to knock people out. Knocking out Donald Cerrone is a tough task. So I'll give him that benefit of the doubt. Um, I was thinking about it. I was like, what if this did go two more rounds like you did? And I don't know. I, I don't know. For whatever reason, I just thought the Donald Cerrone that we saw tonight uh, was a little less exciting than the one that we're used to. And uh, that's still a good fighter. It's just I kept waiting for him to pull the trigger. And, of course, towards the end of the fight, he was kind of mixing it up a little bit more. But strange fight. Strange ruling. All three judges ruled the fight a little boring in the ass. It's crazy. (laughs) So we did that. And then what happened at the very end? Of what? Oh, well, you know, before we go to the the obvious fight, let's talk a little bit more about um, Benson's post press uh speech or i guess the the interview he had with joe rogan the one he compared himself to the boston bombing and losing this fight tonight was similar to that so we were referring to boston strong we'll we'll skip over that one because i feel that that's felt like it was a that's a tough one pretty broad metaphor oh which part were you talking about uh i'm talking about the part right after next where i don't know kevin maybe in a few days (laughs) Yeah, do me a favor, Kevin. Let's just pretend I lost a fight right now and you're interviewing me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Raph, it didn't go your way. What do you feel like you missed out on as an opportunity in this fight? It's okay. I know it didn't go my way. Okay. I, I know. But I'm not going to, like, you know, say excuses or say anything. I'm just going to say, you know, oh, yeah, it didn't go my way. Oh, yeah. Anyway, but I'm not going to, like, make up excuses and act, like, not classy. I'm just going to say, Dana away. give me a fight, you know? <laughs> that's roughly what I think it came uh, ladies as. and gentlemen Benson Henderson great fight thank you Benson yeah. uh, such a good fight <laughs> he did yeah. have that exacerbated like I'm not gonna say a word but that was bullshit and I'm ready to move on uh, sorry like, Benny you know it's really funny when like he's ready to you know give all things to Christ and he's definitely that's that's his mantra that's his thing but, like, when he was trying to find the words, it looked like it was going to be a non Christly thing he was going to say, and he had to catch himself. So it was kind of a, uh, yeah, mother, uh, all things are, ooh. Christ, you know? Christ, That yes. guy. Ah. Yes. Oh, so angry that I love Christ is amazing. Everything. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but on our Facebook and our Instagram, uh, we have a nice comparison of what he looked like, and I invite you all to go check that out at Verbal Tapcast. Let us know what you think. I think it was pretty close. You think it was very close or just a little? Uh, I think it was a pretty close representation of the Benson Henderson we saw. Well, great fight for those two guys. It'll be uh, fun to see how they shake out that division, as it always is. Conor McGregor beats the ever-living shit out of Sieber. Yeah, it uh, man. Okay, that was rough to watch for me. 
Was it rough to watch for you? Just from Seaver's perspective, nothing against Conor McGregor. Uh, that was a, a true dominant performance, and I'm so happy for him to live up to the hype and, and not only live up to the hype, but give us a great fight. For Dennis Seaver, though. I'm being rough. quiet out of respect. Whew. Why is that? Why are you being quiet out of respect? You know, first of all, because we saw McGregor just like put him out of contention for a while, I guess we'll say. Uh, I'm sure Seaver will still get maybe one or two fights, but he's definitely on like the one or two fight list after tonight's performance. He also kind of got dissed by Jose Aldo. <laughs> Did you notice that? Like when they were like, are you impressed by this fight? And he was just like, not at all. It's like, oh, no, well, I don't think that speaks highly of Seaver. And I think it kind of verifies what we all thought, which was like, Seaver's, you know, a good fighter. He's just had some, he's been a little bit more Henderson of late than, you know, McGregor, but McGregor beat the hell out of him. And I guess gets a title shot. Yes. Yes, he does. Well, you wouldn't have been able to guess that when Conor McGregor jumped over the octagon and then directly pointed in the face of Jose Aldo, who um, was just smiling. He was super entertained. Like, it was a carnival ride to him. <laughs> he did. It is really funny to think about, like, of the people you want to go as. Like, I don't know if Jose is, like, the one. He seems like one of the best street fighters, like, bare-knuckle people in the UFC. Like, just one of those people that has that look about him that says, I bet this motherfucker can really... You probably want to face him with the rules and the comfort of the cage with that referee with you. Uh, so just be careful, Connor. I would also like to point out my co-host from uh, the early late night show, uh, Austin Stack, who's not normally a UFC guy, but he's been so transfixed by Connor McGregor. He texts me every time he's been on TV this week. And uh, it's... Yeah, or, I mean, exactly. So he's been texting me and being like, Raf, this Conor McGregor guy is the greatest. How come you never told me about him? And I was like, well, I, geez, I don't know. You would want to watch that. But uh, I'm glad you are. So he's uh, drunkenly celebrating his Patriots win, but made sure to call me and be like, Raf, Raf, has Conor McGregor gone up? Or is it still like the guy with the, the weird beard and the, the white guy with the cowboy hat? And I go, well, they're done. It's coming up next. And uh, he saw him fight, and you know it makes new grounds when you see Conor McGregor knows everybody's eyes are on him on this very popular sports weekend. And I think he made the most of it by doing that cage jump. I think it was genius. Okay. He certainly won tonight's fight in stunning fashion. Like, big win. Yes. Cannot take that away. It was very serious, despite Joe Rogan's attempts to pump up Seaver. It was... Uh... Very good fight. Very impressive win by Conor McGregor. And that's UFC Fight Night. That was fun. Oof. Fun little card. That like, was great. The Cerrone Can Henderson we... really saved it. Like, that was such a fun fight. Uh, there were a couple of prelims that we were kind of watching off and on that we, we were fine with. Um, but, yeah, uh, Donald Cerrone will always watch him fight. Benson Henderson, I'm interested to see what happens to him next, especially with these – I mean, he's got a few losses, not in a row, but he's got a few losses, and he, he does come back better after his losses. But I think – I wonder if this means a, kind of a little bit of a sh strategy shift for him coming up. Yeah. I, we'll see. It'll be interesting. He's definitely going to be a little bit more desperate. But can we discuss who is more correct on their predictions? 
Who was you? I thought I was given their huge embrace at the third round. Okay. I still feel like at the very beginning, Uriah Hall uh, punching or kicking Ron Stalling so hard he thought he was Lorenz. Uh, I think that might be accurate still. It, hard to tell. And he did, in theory, you know where I messed up? He elbowed some of his face off. He didn't kick it. Mm. That was my fault. That mm-hmm. was a huge, <laughs> terrible prediction on my part. So we want to call that one a wash or what? Yeah. Well, I'll 50-50 okay. on that one. I think you were obviously more right than I was because I did not pick the striking correctly. Okay. Okay. Uh, but you All might right. have I'll gotten take a that mindset. right. Yeah. A little bit of face gone. I was obviously very correct with the Cerrone thing. There was an excessive was amount of embracing going on. No, bare knuckle was McGregor receiver. I'm sorry. You're right. Uh, yeah, I'll give that one to you. Okay, so we're tied one and one. Especially that third round, like they were up each other. <laughs> it was like, let's hug. They missed seven seconds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the last one was I predicted that I think it was Conor McGregor was going to. Hold on. What was he going to do? It was Dennis Seaver. I don't know. What did I predict? What do you predict? I predicted they would throw money in the middle of the cage and bare knuckle it. Mm, I was wrong. That was close. They did not do it. It was close, but it's not right. No, they did not. Not this time. No. They teased um, That's obviously what's happening next. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, predicted so, Seaver would get knocked out with uh, his words. He would just give up because McGregor wouldn't shut up. I think I was pretty close. You were. Yeah, maybe. I mean, <laughs> it's as good an explanation as anything about what we saw. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Well, that was a good exercise. We'll have to do that the next time we're watching a fight live when we do one of these. Which means it's time for shout-outs. Yeah. Uh, Shout-out to Early Late Night for letting me make a tiny cameo to play the podcast. Big thanks over to Raph's show. Great picture of you with the JJ Brohood crew and Amici. That was awesome. Um, my shout-outs, BJJ Finder. Of course, the world's premier jiu-jitsu site locator. Had a blast training. BJJ and MMA Academy this past few weeks. Got my Navy grab-and-pull gi on. You can expect a review coming very shortly, Rafa Sparza, especially after I figure out what's going on with this knee business and the injury <laughs> side of worlds. I'm uh, sorry. It happens, you know. I train. I live life on the edge. I live life dangerously. Obviously. That's all I got on the shout-out worlds. Uh, let's go ahead and start by shouting out Valley Martial Arts Center. B to the M to the A. So, so weird. Oh, my goodness. It was a great day of training. We had an open mat today. Um, guys made me work for it. It was awesome. Let's go ahead and shout out. Uh, we got a new member of our academy. Let's go ahead and shout out Jeff. Uh, Jeff is coming to us, and uh, he's been training for a little while, but really solid stuff, man. He's he's a great great person to roll with. Um, I think he was he was hell bent on trying to armbar me today, and I was just like, look, I need this this arm. This is my podcasting arm. Don't do that. I need this arm to podcast. You think this podcast makes itself with just one arm? Yeah. Jesus. That's not how it works. Uh, 
but he was he was so much fun to roll with and uh really really cool and seems like he'll be a great addition and uh was really really cool with a lot of the guys so we're excited to have him and congratulations on being part of the team so uh, let's go there let's also shout out our good friend alex perez um earlier this week alex perez started teaching over at king's uh combat and uh, it's out in chatsworth california Alex is teaching Tuesdays and Thursdays, 6.30 to 8. So if you happen to be in that area, go take one of his classes. Alex is uh, uh, one of the guys who rolls at the Jean-Jacques Academy. So you can kind of tell his techniques pretty good. But uh, his level of instruction, I was very impressed. And uh, if there's anything Kevin and I are actually really good at evaluating, it's the orator skills of jiu-jitsu instructors. Yeah. So if there is one area that we can always lend our voice to, I can tell you with with good authority, Alex is a fantastic uh, jiu-jitsu instructor. So many props to him. I look forward to seeing his uh, – he's going to raise a band of killers. I'm convinced, Kevin. Like <laughs> all of his – like, well, his – yes, he's going to – Create the Killers, the 2004 glam rock band. Um, no, he's he's going to have some really, really good kids. Like the people who I was rolling with there after only a little bit of instruction with him already had really good grips, already had really, really good fundamentals. So it'll, it'll be interesting to revisit them and see as they develop and grow. So that is Kings out in Chatsworth, California, their Taekwondo school that's ginormous. They have enough space to do Taekwondo classes for like – a huge set and also a huge BJJ class. So props to them. I can't wait to go back there. Yeah, it's pretty sick, dude. Um, And then let's go ahead and shout out our good friend, Nick Gregoratis and uh, Amici Akpom. Uh, We went down there to uh, do a little bit of technique instructions. And uh, it was cool catching up with Nick, especially after uh, seeing him commentate at Polaris. Uh, Nick, of course, famously was one of the commentators at Polaris and also is part of the Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood. So uh, fun, fun times talking with him. And, uh, you know, we actually got an interview with him that we'll be putting up on VerbalTapCast.com at some point, probably in the next week or so. So keep a lookout for that. And uh, keep a lookout for Amici. Amici put a really good uh, Jiu-Jitsu BJJ training journal uh, kind of update on keeping all your goals. So I would highly recommend you guys use that to figure out what you want to do for the next year. He makes it really easy to use. And uh, it was just cool. Those two guys couldn't be nicer. And of course, our good friends at Systems Training Center, thank you guys for being such great hosts. Uh, I specifically want to shout out Marcus Koval, Dimitri, Garbis Gigapet, Garby's Vince, Garber Davi? Garber Davi's mom. Oh, Garber Davi. Yeah, no, I know him. And, uh, of course, uh, did I say John Robles? And shout out to our good friend Albert Morales for his Bellator debut win via Rear Naked Choke. Couldn't be happier for that. It's a great weekend for Systems Training Center. And a very big congratulations to Marcus Koval for being the very first chess jiu-jitsu champion. No shit. Yeah. Do you know how he did it? How? Checkmate. No, uh, in, I believe I, they say the fourth round. Was something like that. Op- he's a smooth operator, you know. Yep. Yep. Uh, smooth operator. All right, Raph. That's gonna do it for us tonight here at Verbal Tap. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening.
Good night and good fight, everybody. Now I'm going to put that argument we had as we started the podcast. At the end here? One. One. I'm sorry. You didn't tell me it was going to be a sound check. You said you're going to press record. Two. One. Two. Okay. What's wrong with you? Tell me you're going to do a sound check. (laughs) It's not the hardest thing to initiate by just saying one. I don't need to say. No, it's not. You just sound like a fucking broken robot. I have to say one again. That's the worst case scenario. You said I'm gonna press record, we get which is this fight. different. <laughs> because you didn't feel like you said two as quickly as you're capable of saying two. Because I'm waiting, and I'm like, okay, I need to be ready to fucking be funny and bring it like I normally do on the show. <laughs> okay, look, 